Good morning and welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King. Great to be with you on a summer morning in Maine. And what we're talking about is Maine agriculture and uh, the Maine farmers market movement, which is really cool. We have one in Brunswick on Tuesdays and Fridays and another one on Saturday. And we have Lee Hallett with us, who's uh, the executive director of the Maine Federation of Farmers Markets. And uh, I think the very fact that we have a Maine Federation of Farmers Markets sort of tells you uh, how this movement has grown in the state. Lee, uh, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Tell me about uh, where we've come from uh, in farmers' markets, say, 15, 20 years ago, and where we are today. There's been a lot of growth, as, as you know. So the, the Federation was founded in 1991, and at that time there were somewhere around 30 farmers' markets uh, around the state. And today we work with 115 summer farmers' markets and about 35 winter farmers' markets. Um, we're seeing markets in communities of all sizes and, and all across the state, from from Madawaska to, to Kittery and out to Eastport and and uh, Bridgeton, Berwick area. So really the, the whole state now has representation with farmers markets and folks can get that local food in many communities around the area. Well, have, have farmers markets become a serious outlet for farmers, not just sort of a, a sideline or a hobby? Is this a, is this a significant part of their revenue stream? For many farmers, it absolutely is. It can either be a, a significant part of their revenue stream or a, a small part of their revenue stream, but an important part because selling directly to the consumers is a way for farmers to uh, build their, their public outreach, to uh, introduce their, their products to new consumers, to kind of build all aspects of their business. So we certainly see a lot of farmers for whom farmers' markets are their primary outlet, and then there are others for whom it's it's just part of their overall business plan, but a very important part of that plan. Well, what what's what's changed over the time that's made it grow so much? Are they are there, is it different crops? Is it consumer demand? What 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 what's happening out there? That's a good question. I'd say both of those things that you mentioned. There is definitely an increasing consumer demand, an increasing consumer awareness of the importance of local food, and that's for a range of reasons. Some people prefer local food because it's fresher. Some people prefer local food when they can know the person who grew the food and know the conditions under which it was uh, produced. Um, some people are really concerned about the environment, and so they prefer to get food that was locally raised rather than shipped in from thousands of miles away in order to minimize their carbon footprint. Um, in Maine, we've seen a dramatic increase in the range of foods that are available, in large part because of programs like the USDA's program to introduce more high tunnels and provide those at, at a low cost. And so having a high tunnel, which is a type of greenhouse in rural areas, you know, Washington County and Aroostook County, that has meant that the growing season has been increased. And that also means that there can be a greater diversity of products. And uh, you've probably heard of Elliot Coleman and Barbara Damrosch with their four-season farming. Those kinds of techniques have infiltrated a lot more of the state, and so we see people all around the state growing greens, for example, in February. You mentioned that there were something like 30 winter farmers markets, and uh, frankly, I wasn't aware that it was that big. Uh, how, do, how, do people, how do farmers service uh, a farmers market in February? So there are a couple of ways. Um, we, of course, your meat and your cheese vendors will have product year-round, um, but we're also seeing plenty of produce at winter farmers markets in Maine, even more so. I travel to other states, and, and people are just astonished to find out that we have local produce available in Maine in the winter. And a lot of that is winter storage 
vegetables. So we have farmers that are really increasing their capacity to store produce over the winter, things like carrots and um, cabbage and that sort of vegetable. But then we also have a lot more farmers that are growing greens in the winter. And the primary way of doing that, again, is using these high tunnels and using multiple uh, covers, the, the, the techniques that the dam, that um, Elliot Coleman and Barbara Damrosch had pioneered decades ago. So um, a, high, a high tunnel is a, is a kind of greenhouse. It is. It's a plastic greenhouse, and they're, un- they're unheated. But because of these new techniques in growing, even an unheated greenhouse can keep greens like spinach and kale alive all winter, and they will start growing again in January, February. Um, so you'll have fresh greens at rural farmers markets in Maine in the dead of winter. So there's also a growing a- aquaculture uh, movement as well. So there are some farms around the state that are growing greens in in water, and, and those are available all winter, too. Well, I was so, up at the, say, uh, at the agriculture show in Augusta last winter and yep. uh, saw these really cool flexible solar panels that could yeah. drape over a greenhouse and provide uh, some of the electricity for the, for the fan or whatever that's going on in the greenhouse. I mean, it was, uh, I, I'd never seen that technology before, but it, it, it looked like a piece of plastic and it bent and, you know, you could fold it up, yeah. but it was an a electrical a photovoltaic solar panel. There's certainly been a lot of interest in solar as a way of extending growing seasons and as a way of powering farms, but as you know, our, our solar situation here in Maine is, is unfortunately in limbo at the moment. We had been seeing a lot of growth in farms that were uh, building their solar capacity, and that seemed like a, a, a wonderful solution to, to increase their food capacity and um, lower their, their footprint. Uh, but right now I think a lot of that progress is, is on hold. Well, it's in limbo because of policy, not because the sun isn't shining, right? Yes. Exactly, exactly, because of policy. And you mentioned uh, consumer demand. I mean, part of the reason, it seems to me, that farmers markets are being so successful is that people have just basically are requiring and expecting a much higher level of quality of produce. I mean, the, the, I, can, I, I can remember going in the grocery store and, a, you know, an orange, uh, orange-ish <laughs> tomato in February was about the right. best you can do. People are no longer yeah. accepting that. Right, and, and people no longer think of lettuce as being iceberg. You know, we have so many more food choices today, and that gives us a lot more latitude to raise our expectations and find alternative um, resources for food. And for many people, a farmer's market might even be more convenient um, than a supermarket. You can stop there on your way home from work. Farmer's markets also offer more than just food, obviously. There's a, a cultural component to a market where you're interacting with the producer, you're, you're meeting the person who grew the food, there's often music, and there's a, it's an environment in which people will sometimes feel more comfortable just kind of stopping to talk and to enjoy and to really choose those, those foodstuffs that they're going to bring home in this really friendly environment. And so I think that has helped drive this demand as well. Well, one, one of the amazing things, I mean, agriculture in Maine is, is a real bright spot. I mean, we've seen really significant growth, almost 15% in the number of farms in the last 10 years. And you know, I can remember when the standard was, well, farming is going away and farmers are getting older and older. But now the average age of farmers is going down for the first time in living mm-hmm. memory. And interestingly, uh, I ran across this figure. Thirty percent of primary farm operators in Maine now are women uh, and a 39 yeah. percent increase in beginning farmers. Uh, that's yeah. more than any, most other states in the country. And 
I would also add that what we are noticing in our data is that more than half of the farmers markets in Maine are managed by women. So the leadership team at the, as you probably know, Maine's farmers markets are uh, cooperatively operated by the farmers, which is different than in some other states. Um, but we're finding that more than half of the markets in Maine are are led by women, which is also an interesting. Now, now, what do you mean by that? Because I, I don't, I've never. I mean, I've, the, the farmers market is there when I go downtown <laughs> on a Tuesday morning. But what? How? How is it organized? Who? Who? Who yeah, decides who's there and where they park and all that kind of stuff? Right. There's a lot that goes on in the background. So most farmers markets have meetings throughout the winter. They're, as I said, cooperatively run by the farmers. So there'll usually be a market manager, market treasurer, um, and and some other leadership roles. Um, those markets will meet during the winter. They have an application process. Many markets don't even have openings because of, of space restrictions, but if they have open spaces, then they will accept applications from potential new members who will then come to a winter market meeting. They usually will bring their food to uh, show it off to everyone. They'll talk about what they'll bring to that market in terms of what they can, what they can do to help the market out, not just in terms of what products they'll bring. And then the market members will, as a group, as a body, vote on who will be accepted for the following year as, as a new member. And then that, that same leadership team um, then makes all those decisions about uh, allocating spaces at the market and, and that sort of thing. And, and most farmers markets are very uh, democratic, so they will have meetings and votes on a range of topics. And, now, and those do t- usually take place in the winter. Now, on the on the side of the supply, I mean, sadly, one of the issues in Maine is f- food insecurity. Uh, mm-hmm. Some very very tough figures, particularly among children. Do farmers markets have any contribution? As I recall, didn't we fix do something in the in the agriculture bill that gives farmers markets an extra uh, people an incentive to go to farmers markets? Yes, you're thinking of the food insecurity nutrition incentive program, which is part of the the 2014 farm bill. And that provides what we call nutrition incentives for SNAP shoppers. And it's a, it's a terrific idea. It's, it represents the USDA's effort to incentivize people to eat more fruits and vegetables. And, of course, all Americans need to eat more fruits and vegetables. But through this program, um, participating farmers markets and other sites, in Maine there are CSA farms, there are co-ops and other sites that are participating in this program. But through the program, uh, fa- farmers markets will... Um, offer incentives to SNAP shoppers in order to acquire bonus fruits and vegetables. So you get you, you basically get more for what we used to call food stamps than, uh, at yeah. a farmer's market than you would otherwise. Exactly. So if a SNAP shopper goes to a farmer's market and they buy $15 of eggs and meat and dairy, then they'll get a matching bonus for produce. So it really leverages those SNAP dollars. So SNAP is a federal program. Um, and it really leverages those SNAP dollars and enables them to get a lot more food. It, it averages out to about $28 per person per week for SNAP benefits, which doesn't go very far. So being able to get all that bonus produce can be really helpful for families. And by definition, it's healthy stuff. Exactly, exactly. And so this is an initiative to try to incentivize getting those healthy foods. Do you have any estimate of the economic impact of collectively of the farmers markets across the state? That's a great question, and, and research on that has really varied. We're undertaking a, a data collection campaign ourselves this summer during August, and so I hope to have a, a much more firm answer to that question um, 
you know, a few months from now. But I would be able to say definitely that one important part of farmers markets is that they are an entry point for new businesses and for growing businesses. And we see that all the time where um, a small farm or a, a food producer will have a small business and they're able to grow that business at a farmer's market and potentially then expand into a bricks and mortar or whatever other venue that, that they wish. And so that's an important aspect of farmers markets in terms of Maine's economy. Over a hundred summer and 30 uh, winter. That's that, that's a large number. I'll tell you. Here's a, here's a funny story. You're you're doing your job well in terms of education and awareness because one of my sons who grew up in Maine, Duncan, uh, started or was one of the organizers of the farmers market in Jersey City, New Jersey. I do, bet you never okay. thought of a farmers market down there. <laughs> uh, no. But uh, the, the the you know people are very very receptive and and uh, I think what's most exciting is is generating. Uh, extra support and, and revenue and and it's it's also an amenity for a town. It's just it's just a nice part of, Absolutely. of what the community has to offer. Absolutely. And we hear that a lot anecdotally of people saying, you know, I love my community and the farmers market is a big part of what makes it feel like such a, a wholesome place for me that I can get this local food, that we have this community space where we can all come together and enjoy talking about food and learning about food and so forth. But I, I also want to circle back to that main harvest box, which is what we call those, those nutrition incentives, that we're so grateful to the USDA for developing this program and, and to the Congress um, because it means that farmers markets are not exclusive places, that people of all cultural backgrounds and all economic backgrounds and, and, um, can come to farmers markets and get local food and, and learn about that food and, and come away feeling better about Maine. <laughs> you know, so we're just really grateful that we can build this kind of programming. There are 35 farmers markets around Maine that are participating in the Maine Harvest Bucks program well, this I, summer. I want to be sure I heard you right. It, it sounded like you were saying Congress actually did something right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't hear that all that often. So. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that, yes. Well, yes. Lee, thank you so much, and thanks for what you're doing. I presume there's more growth in store for farmers markets across Maine? Yes, there absolutely is, and we have heard even just this week about a couple new farmers markets that are getting underway this summer, and it's it's really very exciting. Well, it's uh, it's great to hear from you, and uh, probably I'll see you around Crystal Spring or down on the Mall in Brunswick uh, sometime this summer. I hope to see you there. Thank you, Lee. Thanks very much for what thank you're doing. You. Thank you very much. Take care. Yep. Welcome back to Inside Maine. I'm Angus King. On this beautiful, sunny summer day, we're going to be talking about agriculture. We talked about farmers' markets and the expansion of farmers' markets in Maine from about 30, 20 years ago to over 100 today. And actually, we now have 30 farmers' markets in the wintertime in Maine. And now I want to talk to Jesse Dowling. Jesse runs a uh, new company called Fuzzy Utter Creamery in Whitefield. And I'm learning that creamery really means that you make cheese. Jesse, tell me about Fuzzy Utter, how you started it, and what you do. Yes, yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on your show. And I um, have been running Fuzzy Utter uh, since the uh, summer of 2011. I started in Unity and then had an opportunity to buy the farm in Whitefield in the end of 2013. Um, we make a variety of fresh and aged cheeses uh, from cow, sheep, and goat's milk. 
we milk our own sheep and goats on site. I, this year we have 28 sheep and goats that we're milking, and we've been making plans to expand the herd up to 48 next year. Um, now, I, I, I got to ask you about the name. Were you sitting around on a long winter's night uh, drinking aged apple cider? Had the Fuzzy Utter, what a name. How would you come up with it? Actually, not too far from that, actually. I was an <laughs> apprentice at um, both Appleton Creamery, which makes uh, goat cheeses, in addition to sheep and cow as well. Uh, they milk goats, and I was working at a sheep dairy in Union, which is no longer in existence, but I bought a lot of their um, equipment and their milking uh, stock. And I was living in a cabin there and kind of just daydreaming about if I started my own um, thing. And, you know, all udders are fuzzy, um, you know, <laughs> And I, I liked bringing well, the animal. A, a lot of us um, don't know, actually, but uh, you're educating yeah. us. But I liked bringing the idea that this is a living, breathing animal, and it and there's kind of a whimsical nature to working with livestock. It's kind of unpredictable, um, and I wanted the kind of the humor of of farming and, and these animals to come through. Um, and you can see that on my label. There's a theme with like a sheep with a bucket on its head, and a cow stepping in a milk bucket, and a and a goat teetering on a on a pile of buckets. Well, 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 give me a very short course in uh, in uh, in cheese making. You you get the milk, and then what happens? Yeah, so uh, you start with with fresh raw milk as fresh as possible, um, and then you you heat the milk up to a desired temperature. Uh, you heat treat it if you're making a cheese less than sixty days, um, and then you bring it to your inoculation temperature. You add cultures that uh, you pick based on the flavor and how it'll develop acid. Um, Where do the cultures come from? Uh, unfortunately, the cultures come from a company owned by DuPont. Um, <laughs> okay. There's a lot of uh, work trying to make our own cultures, but I think that in the, the speed-up of industrial agriculture, we've lost a lot of that knowledge. Um, and the rennet comes from the uh, fourth stomach of a milk-fed uh, ruminant, which would be a sheep, goat, or a calf. Um, it comes to me in liquid form made uh, organically from a from a. Um, cheese supply company. So um, heat, rennet, so heat and, 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 uh, and cultures rennet, and then it, 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 yep. so it then settles? The, rennet is, the rennet's where the magic happens. Um, that enzyme, chymosin, uh, that's in rennet, it changes the milk from a, a liquid to something other than a liquid. It's catching all those solids. So you start to cut the curds, and you'll start to expose the whey. The whey will then start to kind of ooze out of the of the curd and you'll get these hard curds that you can then pack into molds or drain into bags or whatever forms you want to put it in um, the whey will be drained out we feed the whey to pigs and the the curd becomes cheese and how long does that take it depends on what you're making um you know as fresh as the fresh mozzarella that we make uh it becomes curd that day and we stretch it the next day and that's ready to eat and sell that day um and then with an aged cheese that we're going to be um you know, aging in in a in an aging room that's kept cold, and turning the cheeses a couple times a week until uh, they've ripened and have a full flavor that can take uh, between two months on up to six. And if I had the aging space, I would age it longer. So, it, but there's there's a growing uh, cheese industry in Maine, isn't there? I mean, I see stores up on Route One, and and I, I can't remember the name Maine Cheese Company, maybe. Uh, yeah, State of Maine Cheese Company. State of Maine They're Cheese actually- Company. Yeah, um, cheese has actually been booming in Maine. We actually boast more cheesemakers per capita than any other state in the country. I think that's um, also true, by the way, of beer. I think we have more craft I, yeah, breweries yeah. per capita than anybody else. So, so beer, beer and cheese are on the rise. Um, <laughs> 
as I, I'm, I work um, volunteer for a group called the Maine Cheese Guild. I'm the vice um, vice president, and um, we've watched there be 16 creameries in 2004 when that group started, and now there's over 70 licensed creameries in the state. And so we're seeing a, a dramatic rise in small scale, and all of these creameries are, are very small. Um, compared to others. But one of the neat things about Maine uh, uh, agriculture is we're one of the few places where the average age of farmers is going down. That is true. That hasn't happened in years. Yeah, and I would say a lot of that is the the hard work that organizations like the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, MOFCA, Mm -hmm. and uh, Maine Farmland Trust have been doing. And and you, but we're seeing we're seeing an expansion of farms across the board. Not only I mean up in Amber Lampke, up in Skowhegan with the with the flour. I mean, this has become a significant part of the main uh, economy. Yeah, it has, and and it's and it's it's really an exciting time to be on the ground, uh, being a farmer. How uh, how important? I, we were just talking. I was just talking with. Uh, Ms. Hallett, about the uh, farmers' markets. How important is a farmer market? Farmers' market as an out as an outlet for a company like yours. Well, farmers' markets make up uh, over fifty percent of my gross sales per year, so they're very important. Um, wholesale is also important, but the reason why the farmers' markets are great is that I, instead of having to drop my prices uh, for the wholesale market, I can charge the retail price, which is good because our margins are really low in the small-scale industry, so it's nice to be able to charge what what you feel like your product is worth. Now, can you operate year-round? No. Sheep and goats, um, they they breed seasonally. They tend to um, go into heat in the fall, and which means that we end up having lambs and kids in the spring. Um, You can do it year-round, like you can stagger the breedings, but it's more natural, and it works better with our harsh winter climate to have the the lambs and kids in the spring milk over the summer when they're out on pasture eating grass, and then in the winter have them just you know eating hay and not have to deal with frozen uh, water lines and milk lines. Do you see future growth? I mean, is this going to keep going, or have we hit some kind of uh, natural limit? I, my sense is people are demanding more and more local food, fresh food, organic food, food they know where it comes from. Is that is that driving this market? There are, but I think we're going to see some boom and bust in both the vegetable industry and in the cheesemaking industry. Um, and I think that's because we're not growing our markets as fast as we're growing our young farmers. I think a lot of people are going into this line of work because they're looking at climate change and other environmental issues um, and just quality of life and saying, hey, we want to do something different. So here's there's a lot of these great resources that um, you know, that Maine has with a lot of nonprofits helping young farmers get the resources that they need. But um, there's still, it's really hard to make your economy of scale work at a small scale when we're competing against the giants in the industrial agriculture realm where they have such low costs going into the per pound of cheese and vegetables that they're selling. Um, I, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a little bit of a hard sell um, to be encouraging more people to get into agriculture until we fix our economy. Well, do you work with the the large with the chain grocery stores? I mean, are you able to sell into the into Shaw's and Hannaford and and the larger, or is it all local farmers market direct sales? Yeah, I do a lot of restaurants and smaller natural food stores, but it's 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 that whole issue of scaling up. Um, it takes a lot to get up to a level where you would have enough product to serve the uh, supermarkets. And I think that's, um, you know, grants from, like, government grants for farmers would be really useful in that way uh, for land and more equipment. 
Well, I remember being on a on a trade mission to the Brit to Britain once years ago, and we went to Scotland, and there were there were co-op processors where the farmers got together because no one could afford all the equipment, where they processed the vegetables, they cut them, or they they uh, wrapped them, shipped them, and those kinds of things. And that was a way, a kind of intermediate way of dealing with the scale issue. Do you see sort of co-op opportunities in Maine for doing things like that? I think that. Uh Cheesemakers working cooperatively would be a great thing, um, but I think that the state should really step up um, both on the state level and the government level, national level, to, to level the playing field a bit for the small producers because we really can't compete, um, you know, dollar for dollar against these bigger, um, these bigger businesses. Can you make a case that, that local is better, fresh is better? Yeah, and the animals are happier. I the knew animals the, are eating grass. I knew the goat personally, right? You can say that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, there, it's really hard to commodify, you know, an animal's happiness, but hopefully we're trying to create a world as, you know, as my generation gets older and is becoming more of the consumers. Um, I'm hoping that we're creating a world where people are actually going to ask, well, you know, what's the face behind this food? Well, I, I, I think that's starting to happen. I mean, I, I know that people are much more selective about produce now than they were, and the quality in the grocery stores is, is a lot higher than it was 20 years ago. Uh, and and I think there is a, a consumer demand, and you go to some of these stores where the you know for fresh food and organic food, and people are willing to pay a premium for the for that kind of product. It's true. It's true. And do you you mention restaurants? Is that a significant market? Yeah, I definitely do. About the other half of my business is through um, restaurants and uh, small uh, health food stores. Um, restaurants are great because they are looking for a quality product, and so the artisan cheese industry is definitely um, taking advantage of all the well. The restaurants in Maine, especially in Portland, is on um, good, exciting restaurants that are you know using local food on their menus is on the rise as well. And and you you said you're there's an association uh, now of people who make cheese throughout Maine. Yes, yes. We've been around for over 10 years. Um, we're called the Maine Cheese Guild, and we're made up of, yeah, I think we have over 50 members that are cheesemakers. Um, our goal is to have all the cheesemakers in the state to be part of our members. We're actually uh, hosting a cheese festival on October 16th in the fall, uh, celebrating Maine cheese. It's going to be at Savage Oaks Winery in Union. A winery. I was going to suggest yep. it be at the, at the Craft Brew, Brew Festival. You can put, put those two things together. Yeah, we want to be working more with the Maine Beer Guild. They're doing an awesome job. Well, and they're starting to, to source their, their, they're starting to get their raw materials from Maine. Uh, malt is now, we have two malt houses in Maine. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of spinoff opportunity here in, in the whole field of agriculture. Yeah, there is. And also hops are being grown just down the road in Alma. Oh, is that right? So, so there's yep. a, there's there's another uh, another beer product. Well, it's yep. uh, it's fantastic what you're doing, and uh, I, I like your enthusiasm. And uh, you got to let us all know uh, what it is we can do to help. I, I think it's it's a real bright spot uh, in the main economy, and it's wonderful to see uh, new people coming into farming. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of things you guys could do to help um, uh, taking away barriers for farms uh, like that are doing value-added processing to take on laborers with the same kind of tax as uh, regular farm work would be helpful. Um, debt forgiveness for farmers, um, they have that for people working in the nonprofit industry, uh, like student loan debt forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and and just more more incentives to get people onto land, uh, ways to get people uh, lower mortgages. I know the Farm Service Agency does have a lot of programs that are helpful, but I feel like more of that uh, would also be really helpful. Well, you keep working on the cheese, and we'll keep working on the laws. How about that? That sounds good. Thank you very much for your All time. All right. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thanks for, for what you're doing, and uh, I look forward to uh, trying some of your mozzarella. Sounds great. Great. Thank you very much, and thank you for being with us on Inside Maine, talking about agriculture across this wonderful state on a summer day in June.